You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back for one of the final Supercoach pre-season episodes before kickoff happens in oh, just over a week's time. So we're pushing to get the last three teams previewed and we're going to get it done tonight. We've got the Penrith Panthers and also the Manly Seagulls. So it's, it's a pretty big double, two very relevant teams, two pretty good quality teams as well. And we've got somebody that hasn't been on in the preseason yet, Michael Attard, Mikey from the Supercoach Experience podcast. Very good podcast that I've listened to many times. Also a great show. It used to be the Mike and Sav's show, Mikey. So you've been dropped from the name and everything. But, I mean, there's a few boys into it now as well, and you guys are going great guns lately. So welcome aboard the All-Stars podcast. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, as I said to you before, mate, I always listen to your podcast, uh, especially before the season, and it's uh, I feel honoured to be able to to make the cut and to talk about the Panthers. But yeah, no Mike and Sabs no more. But um, yeah, as you said, we've got a big group now, so uh, Super Coach Experience fits us better now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, look, have a look at the Super Coach Experience if you haven't, guys and girls, because it's a great one. And you guys are on YouTube as well, aren't you? So. Yeah, YouTube. Uh, you can find us on quite a few things. Sabs has got us on there. But, yeah, we do the Facebook live show normally once a week on a Tuesday. But, yeah, the rest of us, you can find us on, yeah, YouTube's one of our main ones as well as Spotify. Awesome. Well, everyone go and check that out. Uh, Mikey is a Panthers fan as well. So, you know, it's it's going to be really good to talk about your team. How did you think they went in the World Club Challenge, mate? I mean, look, we're talking uh. the weekend after. You've just lost and you could have been champions of the world, but you couldn't do it. Yeah, I know. We couldn't do what your Roosters achieved last time they had a go at it. And um, I was there at that game and uh, right before kickoff, we could feel that storm coming over. Like, oh my God, we're going to get, you know, it's going to absolutely piss down. And that's exactly what happened. I sat out there in that pouring rain for a good part of the, all the first half and a good part of the second half. So um uh, I thought it was. I thought we played quite poorly. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from St. Ellen's. They were amazing and they really showed up. And we weren't ready to play. And I don't think you know they they were ready for the weather. We weren't. Um, but you know we only lost by one point. And look, if I had to choose uh, going um, three peat or uh, win the World Club Challenge, I, I think I'd choose a three peat. So let's focus on for this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think every Panthers fan will take that. Look, the gains and the losses. There has actually been more losses than what the Panthers have had in their dynasty years, really. So Jermaine Hopgood's gone over to Parramatta, not a huge one. Robert Jennings, these guys were really more depth, as was Sean O'Sullivan and Charlie Staines. But big kick out is going to be a huge loss on that left-hand side. And even bigger loss is going to be Appy Coruscant. So that's a couple of huge losses there in those two. And one of the problems with those losses is that you've replaced them with two edges in, in Luke Garner and Zach Hosking, who, you know, Garner's a solid first grader, but he's no kick out, and, and Hosking's really a young fella that we're not sure about yet. And then the rest of it's really just back up New South Wales Cup stuff with Jesse McLean, Jack Cogger, and Tyrone Peachy returning. Really, when you're having a look at it, I don't think there's any other way to slice it than to say the Panthers do have a weaker squad for 2023. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with you there, but... 
I guess the perks of the system they've got at the moment is, you know, they, they're trusting their junior system and they've given me no reason as it, up to this point to, to not trust them. So it, it hurts to lose Kikau and Coruscant. Like, look how poorly Penrith for Doom before we had a, for, you know, a proper classy hooker. And now I'm just worried for, you know, what that's going to be like without him. So um, interesting year ahead. So where do you think that they're going to finish? Obviously, you're a confident Panthers fan and they are going for a three-peat. And before you even tell me, I will remind you that it has been 40-plus years yep. since a three-peat has been achieved. And it was the uh, Parramatta Eels that did that in the early 80s. The Sterlow Kenny-led Parramatta Eels. So it, it's been a very long time, mate, for the three-peat to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I look. I, I'm a. I, I reckon we we can possibly do it. I don't know if we can come first again. I reckon we're still a top four side. Um, maybe I might change my mind after the first ten games, but I think we have still got enough quality in there, barring injury to our main players. Um, I think we're a top four side still, and I, I don't know. I'm thinking between two or three. I'm, I'm probably. I'll predict third. I don't know why I'm feeling that number, but we well, made it easy for me because I thought that we were, that I was going to, you know. Down, downplay how good they are and stuff by my prediction, but uh, I'm I'm am a little stunned that you didn't pick them for one or maybe yeah. two. And yeah, but, uh, yeah third, uh, look, I think that's really fair. I've got them locked in the top four. Look, the the thing is, I think that they are going to really miss Apisai Coruscant more than anybody predicts. I think that's going to be a huge hole, especially when you consider Mitch Mitch Kenny to me is just a, a short minute hooker. Uh, young Luke might have some prospects down the track, but at the moment he's largely unproven. Uh, so I think that that look, Appy just gave them so much direction. So many unheralded parts of that team were a direct result of Coruscant because he took pressure off the halves. He really directed everything, and he was really good in the middle of the park for them. So I, I think it's going to be hugely missed. And uh, look, Kikau as well. Kikau uh, obviously produces a large portion of attack on that left hand side. And some of it is his his ball playing and stuff as well and creating other opportunities with the offloading. And he even was putting in like little grubber kicks and stuff, got some forced dropouts last year and everything. He, he had the full kit back on that left-hand side last year. And it's just something that Luke Garner just doesn't have. And he also doesn't have, I guess, like Luke Garner is a good ball, ball runner as far as hitting holes and things. I think he's actually pretty solid at that. But he doesn't have the pressure on the defensive line that a kick out does. And that's also going to put pressure on, I think, Luai. And I think it's going to put pressure on those outside men because I think they had more space. I think people were so worried about kick out at times. They used him as a decoy a lot as well, which gave them space. That's not going to happen now. So I, I really think that both those losses are going to make them quite a bit worse than what we've seen in the last couple of years. But Mikey, for the Panthers, quite a bit worse just makes it it's, they're going to be top four. They could still finish, you know, first or second. I wouldn't be surprised. I just think that the gap has gotten a lot smaller. You know, the yeah. last couple of years, I sort of said, well, it's definitely Penrith first, and then you can talk about who's going to make up the rest. Now I actually think that there's a bunch of guys, uh, a bunch of teams, all in that top few teams, and I think Penrith is just one of them. Yeah, 100%. With, with Cleary, like, I still think we've got the best yet for Cleary. So I think there's still more to come from him. So... You know, if this is a season, he's destined to win that Dallium at some point. And if this is a season, he goes yet to another level. Uh, it's like the Cowboys were always a relevant side back in the day when Jonathan Thurston was in his kind of form. And, uh, yeah, they only managed to win, like, you know, the one cop under him. But I just think a lot of this playing group is still can get better. And as you said before, the key is going to be the dummy half. I really rate Sonny Luke as a Panthers fan. And as you saw a little bit of him, we got we saw Luke Summerton play really well in that first trial too. So, 
I'm hoping that Luke plays the same role as Coruscant. And if he does, I think that can work for the team because he's, to me, he's a bit of a clone of Coruscant. You can't, he's not obviously not as good as Coruscant, but he's got a very similar game of quick service out of dummy half. And uh, it's going to be key. Um, I also could see um, at some point in the season, if Garner doesn't work out, uh, Sorensen could start on the edge or even uh, Zach Hosking can. So they're going to have a few bit of options and contests for spots early on, I think. Yeah, and it needs to be said too, whilst, you know, it wasn't lost as far as um, in the market going to a different club. We, we had the news a few days ago that Taylor May is actually ruled out for the year with an ACL because of what happened on the weekend uh, versus St. Helens. So they're going to be without one of their top point scorers as well. So Taylor May uh, was the third point scorer with 64 points for them. Uh, a huge amount of tries at 16 leading the way on the tries. He is going to be sorely missed. Uh, so I think that that's three out of their starting 13. And in different ways, all, all quite important players too, because May obviously would end up being a really good try scorer. And you'd hope that the whichever young guy is going to come through, and we're going to talk about one of them in this podcast, but you'd hope that they're going to fit into the system seamlessly. But as we know, anybody that's coming through with very limited or no experience is going to take a bit of time. So I, I think all of that probably culminates in the Panthers. And we have just seen this with the, the World Club Challenge, right? They, they had a few other players out that are going to be there around one, but... I think albeit they still started quite slow and, and were a bit clunkier than what we expected in attack. They couldn't put points on St. Helens. I think they're going to start slow. Uh, and I think that we've already seen remnants of that in their performance on the weekend. I think May, Kikau and, and Coruscant out of the starting 13 and some new guys filling in and having to find their places. I think that also is that it's going to start a little bit slower for the Panthers. Do you think they're going to start slow? Do you expect them to kind of hit their straps mid-season? Or, or do you think that it's just sort of fool's gold and, and Panthers will still hit the ground running round one? can see us dropping a game earlier than what we have the past two because we've gone quite a roll. But when I think we'll start, like I agree with you with a bit that we'll start slow, but my take on them starting slow will be they don't score as many points as what we're used to and they'll grind some really clunky, ugly kind of wins. Uh, they're really like, like kind of like the old school Penrith uh, as we're starting to hit our straps. Um, so, yeah, I, I still think we can win a bunch of those games. Um, it's, it's quite to note that we, we do play, we don't really leave Sydney for the first kind of chunk of it. We play at home the first two games and then we go to Parramatta Stadium. So we're not really leaving the first and then we've got to buy in round three. So uh, that that could favour us. But yeah, look, it's, I think it'll be it's going to be a bit harder to get everything to click into gear. But the biggest thing to note too from that St. Helens game that we didn't, I didn't touch on was Dylan Edwards. I think people are sleeping on how big of an impact he has Definitely. towards the, the team. So uh, And Crichton did make quite a few mistakes at the back. So Oh, I feel pretty confident with him at the back. Yeah, that, that that will make a big difference. I agree with you as far as like they'll probably they'll probably get a lot of wins still. Um, but talking super coach and putting our super coach caps on, it, it's going to mean maybe if they're getting those grind out wins where it's like a you know a sixteen fourteen scoreline and stuff, which I think could happen with some of these, it's not very good for super coach, and that's one thing to consider. It's a really it's a really annoying draw because. Obviously, the first two are at home, which you touched on, um, and that's against the Broncos and Souths at Penrith. So that's, uh, you know, the Broncos will probably come out much improved at the start of the season. They started last year pretty good. I still always say the Broncos, you can put points on. But, yeah, and they do get to play at Penrith. It's still not the easiest game in the world, obviously. The Rabbitohs at Penrith is not going to be an easy game. Um, so that could be one of those grindy type of ones where it's not super catch points. And then you've got the bye. So it's a really annoying first three weeks for Penrith Panthers as far as 
the draw goes because that buys in there right after what will probably be a pretty tough game. So, and then after that, you do play the Eels, so you're not going too far, but you still have to play play them away, and you do have to play Canberra in Canberra. Uh, and then we've got Manly back at Penrith. So all in all, that first six weeks, you're only playing five out of the six rounds, and yeah, all all those sides are either top eight sides or contenders for top eight. Uh, it's a, it doesn't really get any relief as far as the easier teams until you hit the Knights in round seven, and then you hit the Bunnies again in round eight, and that rounds out your first two months of footy. Obviously, it gets a bit easier after that, but the problem with the draw is that it gets easier with an improved Tigers outfit, but it is at Penrith, and then the Warriors, uh, but then you hit the Roosters and then the Broncos again, and then you've got another buy in round 13. So for me, like I'm looking at this draw going... It's a roller coaster. Obviously, <laughs> it is a roller coaster, and I think that that last third of the season, like that final run home, round 20 onwards, because the Panthers have their buy in round 19, not round 20 onwards, I'll be stacking up on Panthers... But for the start of the season, I've kind of put the brakes on myself for Supercoach. I went, hang on, how many Panthers do I really want to have in my side considering the round three buy and and the draw? Because you've got some powerhouses with the early draws, right? The Roosters are in round four as well with the buy. Yeah, 100%. It's a bit of a rough start. And yeah, realistically from the Panthers here, you know, you've got to just take the guns and cheapies realistically and you can't stack up on too many of them. So, well, yeah, that's what I'm doing. With the round three buy, they're not going to see a price rise to round five. So... Uh, that's what we're learning this year. Hey, how many players can you have from one side and how do you juggle it all? So I'm trying not to go past three if I can. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's my plan at this stage. Yeah, not going to matter so much with the cheapies. Um, but look, let's move along and talk about the players. And obviously the first player that you're going to think of when you talk about super coach for the Penrith Panthers is going to be Nathan Cleary. And look, Cleary is coming in as one of the best super coach options, as he always is. He's coming off 80 points a game in 2022. That was a 28-point drop-off from the, the big 2021 season. But, I mean, Turbo scored 143 that year. So we can just throw it away as an outlier. You know, 2020, Cleary went 83. Um, I think it's comfortable to say that he's an 80-plus type of player. Uh, and we've sort of seen him establish himself as that now. He's still over 25 years of age, though. So he is in his prime years now coming up. He could improve, like I think you mentioned. But when you're looking at the numbers last year, he's, he's always had a pretty good base. Um, his base was only 23 last year, though. So I think that that's actually become a little bit of a myth that his base is always good. It actually dropped off a little bit last year for Cleary, uh, where his base was 23 and his base attack or, uh, it was, was 10 per game, 33 per game. That's actually not great. Um, and I've made the point on the podcast that there was actually uh, a, a 10-point difference with... Um, Nico Hines, more than a 10-point difference as far as that base. And obviously, Cleary's one of those really consistent stars at the top of his game that always goes 60-plus, right? Well, actually, in 2022, it was only 64% of the time. So he did still scrape in as a 60-60 super coach gun, uh, and it's still very good. But when you consider what he was doing the two years before, you know, 2021, 94% of the time, he got a 60-plus score, which is insane. Absolutely insane. Crazy. 2020 was insane Crazy. still, though. Like, you can forget the outlier year in 21. 2020, 78% of the time he went 60-plus. So oh, I, do, I don't want to talk down on Cleary because he's one of the top options, and I would never say to anyone who has Cleary in their side, don't, don't have Cleary in your side, right? He got 151-point score and 158-point score uh, four times in his 14 games. But it is important to sort of look at the numbers and not just go with the flow of the name value. And 
it wasn't quite as good as his couple seasons before last year. And the biggest worrying trend I'm going to hand over to you with, Mikey, is that his games in the last five years, he played 15 games in 2018, 21 in 2019, 18 in 2020, 16 in 2021, and 14 in 2022. Um, and that was punctuated by him not playing a game until round four last year. Obviously, he's healthy right now. Um, but there's just these little chinks in the armour for Cleary that I think are starting to appear that maybe people aren't really looking at because he is such a good super coach player. Yeah, it's it's a good point to notice you know, the games he's playing. If you look at it on a kind of like a graph, it's like a downward staircase. So I don't think it's too much to worry about in that factor of the game. Purely last year, let's not forget what he did against Parramatta. He was suspended for a fair chunk of those games. So it was an injury. Yes, he did have that injury at the start, but he was suspended for a good start of uh, during that mid-season where he then missed that's a fair chunk too. of games. Yep. Um, so that could all, that's also impacted his average. As I said before, I really think a Dallium season is coming up for him. Um, and if I'm right and it's this year, then we've got more to see from Cleary. And I think definitely this year, I think he can average a higher score. Uh, 841,000, uh, 51.9% ownership. How can you start without him? He's You can't have them all. I know there's a lot of big guns to fit into your game, but he's just one guy, especially as a Penrith fan, that I just can't leave out. Um We've seen what he can do against some clubs. And when he's on at home, he's someone that can hit 200 points. And if someone owned by that many people, if, you don't, if you're not on him, you don't have a captaincy on him, you could be in a hell of a lot of trouble. Um, on the flip side, you mentioned their tough run. Personally, he'll be a very popular captain option. I'm probably going to steer clear from around the captaincy and kind of pod play it that way. Go to the other guys that I think are going to go well. But he's just a guy that you know, you're going to want in there for most of the season. Um, yeah, their buy rounds aren't friendly, and yeah, they've got Jack Cogger um, as a game from Huddersfield Giants, who will play a Sean Sullivan type of role. So I expect a lot of you know resting around that period, but uh, he's a key to the Panthers. And um, if you think Panthers are going to well, going to go well, you're going to need the key to the Panthers. So mm. uh, he's a lock for me. Yeah, I couldn't talk anyone out of it, but I am going to throw up a um, a counter argument anyway because I'm thinking about doing some crazy stuff. And it's uh, look, I uh, I don't want this to be misconstrued, so we're going to have a, uh, a footnote on this discussion before I go ahead with it. And that is, if you got Nathan Cleary, good work. You should have Nathan Cleary. Okay, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. And I, anyone who I see Nathan Cleary in the side, I'm never going to give advice to take Nathan Cleary out of your side. Eight hundred forty-one thousand. He's worth the money. Uh, but I have looked at, at a team template since the team picker came out. And it's, you know, I sort of, I normally make sort of three or four teams, different builds and stuff and different types of strategies. And I look at each one and sort of decide towards TLT, which one I'm going to go with. I'm leaning towards sticking with my original first one that I put up, which was no Nathan Cleary in it. And it sounds crazy. And it is, you know, I'm going to say it is an extremely risky play, but I think that sometimes you can make a risky play if you've got a sound strategy behind it and you've got some sound reasoning. My strategy is that if I am, that I can get Nathan Cleary in very quickly. Um, I think if he didn't have that round three buy, I just wouldn't bother risking it. Because he's got that round three buy and it's coming off the Broncos and Souths, uh, I just sort of said, well, you know, I don't, I'm going to bet that he doesn't go massive in that first two weeks. And then he's got the buy. And because of all these extra trades, I've, I've spoken, Mikey, about playing trade roulette a little bit, where you can kind of afford just to do some luxury trades. 
And for me, I'm, I'm going to have the money and the players in place where I can have a halfback that plays a draw for the first three rounds and I get three rounds of value out of him that I believe will beat Nathan Cleary and then be able to swap him directly to Nathan Cleary in round four unless Nathan Cleary is either hurt or looks terrible, in which case I'm kind of safeguarded against that as well because if that happens, then I'm obviously not in the 52% ownership, not getting burnt by it. And I can wait to get Nathan Cleary uh, an extra couple of weeks or whatever it is. So uh, I'm, I'm starting with the adding, but I kind of not because I'm sort of planning already on how I'm going to get him back in. Um, but I've got the money and the trades to be able to do it. Um, the other way I'm going to do it is I'm a couple hundred grand off it from a halfback to a halfback perspective. I'm going to have a center wing that's an expensive one that has a good starting draw. And then I'm going to flip them out because I probably wouldn't want to play them after the first few weeks anyway and downgrade. So Oh, I think it's an easy route to it. It's a bit of a strategy play. Uh, do you think it's entirely crazy? Go without the first couple of games without Nathan? Uh, it's 100% crazy, but I like your theory behind it. And you, <laughs> and, and, and you said it in the line there. It's, you, you've, got to, you've got to plan around it. The key thing is you can't have all these guns to start with, but the plan is, okay, if I'm wrong and this pod move does not work out, how can I fix my problem quickly without destroying my team apart? And you said it there. I'm doing something different. I actually chopped my team around today. I'm, I'm, I'm at that stage where I'm just literally hacking at it with a saw. So um, I did it in a different position. Um, but I, I, I can see the appeal there, uh, especially these you know key players with an early buy. It could be a super move. But I know you love a devil's advocate. And if he comes out and we're wrong and they start real hot, you know, bang, yep, the Panthers are here again and he absolutely dominates and, you know, he ends up on two high scores. You expect them to have a lot of VC or C options within, even in those two first games, I expect super coaches still to captain him. Then, you know, uh, then you could be in a little bit of trouble. Um, he still has, you know, like a high score of um, 190 against the South and his top score against the Broncos is 151. Uh, so with averages of 83 and 90 against both those clubs. Um, I know they're different sides now. South have mm. always been competitive over the past one. So, um, and they're both at Penrith Stadium, which is his fortress. So, yeah, <laughs> look, mate, you, you definitely have to have a pair of pair of balls to do that one. But um, look, I, I can't talk you out of that. Like, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I think it's just because, like, and to be fair as well, like, um, I'm. And I've spoken to many people about this uh, on the social media platforms and everything with the questions. I'm I put Nate, I put Nico Hines ahead of Nathan Cleary. That's my pecking order. For me, Hines is number one, and Cleary is number two as far as halfback stocks go. And as far as overall players go, you could probably say Hines is one and, and Cleary's two. That's how I've got it. I understand some people have got Cleary ahead of him. For me, Nico's you know ten percent better. Uh, and so, I agree with you. You're great. Wow. I, yeah, I'm very yeah, surprised, I, Mikey. How are you? I, agree yes, with yeah, <laughs> I, I never play with my Panthers cap on super coach. You can't. Um, and although past seasons may be cleary, but going into this season and just looking at preseason form, uh, there's no, yeah. To me, Nico Hines. Yeah. If I could only have one, I'd be starting with Nico. Um, it's important to note too. Uh, they both have early buy rounds. So you'll be without a gun half if you go on the pair of them. So, uh, this could also help your strategy, Barnsley, with those early buys. Yeah, that's the other thing that I'm considering as well. And look, it's it's just one of those things that uh, I don't think that Cleary's going to score badly. I'm just thinking he's going to score solid. And the first couple of games, he actually plays early. He either plays the, the third game or the first game in that second week. Um, and that's 
kind of good because obviously some people might VC, but the VCs not going to be as easy to pull off at the start of the at the start of the season. Um, and then as well as that, I don't think many people are going to actually captain him. So the, the level of being burnt is probably minimal. Minimal. When looking at the draw too, like even you know they go away to Parramatta in round four and away to Canberra in round five. It's kind of it, it's really that Knights round seven that it starts to get a bit sketchy. And I, I really have to have him in for that. So I, I think that I'm just I'm taking a risk, and I understand it's a risk. Cleary is one one of the best players in the game, um, and I'm planning on having him. I'm just hoping that a gun half back plus an extra. $220,000 upgrading to a gun elsewhere is going to counteract what, you know, clear he's going to be able to score. So I'm going to go for that. I wouldn't recommend many people do it if you're a little bit queasy in the stomach when you're watching your super coach players, but it's only a short term one. Certainly Nathan Cleary is one of the best in the game. Um, there's no way around it, but I do think the Panthers are going to start a little bit slow myself. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it, Mikey? You say, I wouldn't be surprised if he averages only 70. And like 70 is like a great score. It's just that clear he's an 80 plus type of player. But if he averages 70 over the first few weeks, it's a big win if you don't own him because 10 points is big. Yeah, especially with what his averages and what he's priced at. If he was doing 70, then you're getting less than what he's priced at. So then technically that would be a good move. So especially if the other guy you got. And to finish off too, he's only he, he scored a 58 and a 40 last year and those were his lowest scores. Uh, sorry, a 40 and a 34 last year were his lowest scores. And other than that, he always went 58 plus. So there you go. <laughs> Bardsy's crazy. <laughs> right. But it's all right. It's all about uh, who you zag to and whether that works and having a plan. I've got a plan with Cleary, but as far as how I think he'll go for the season, I think he'll be very close to, to bang on what he did in 2022. I'm a little bit in... Um, not quite in Mikey's boat. I don't think it's a Dallying M season, but I, I think it's going to be a really good season still, probably around the 80 mark again. I, I think you're buying points and it's fine to buy points when the guy's going to give you 80, 80 a game. Another gun for the Panthers, Mikey. Dylan Edwards, a bit of an unheralded one though. He scored 67 points a game last year. In 2021, the big outlier season with the attack, he only averaged 56 points a game. He was 11 points better than his average in 2022. And he did that with his quintessential awesome base. So 36 raw base, 15 base attack, getting 51 points without any clutch attack stats or any scoring. And that really helped him because um, he didn't get a try for the first month of the season and still had three of those four games in the 70s. Uh, And he went 60 plus, a career best 77% of the time. So when you're talking about guys who are super consistent, um, Dylan Edwards is one of them. He barely had any games that, that weren't um, 60s. Certainly when you're looking at 50s, he only had three games that were duds that were below 50. And that's pretty good because he's durable too. He played 22 games. Big season from Edwards. Yeah, outstanding season from Edwards. And from you know an NRL perspective, uh, you know, will become a fan favourite out there in Penrith. And just to see, you know, we had those years there where he struggled and just to see to where he comes now, uh, he was my player of the season. And, um, you know what you're going to get with Edwards. I think it's just tough from a super coach perspective that he's a fullback. You know, it's it's really hard to choose someone like Edwards when you've got Tedesco and you know your Toms and all the the rest of those and Latrell knocking down the door. It'd take a real ballsy move to go someone like this, but that always creates him to be a bit of a point of difference. And while I just mentioned those other guys, that's also going to keep him out of the Origin arena for quite a bit. So. Um, makes over 200 meters per game, big workload. And he's, he's another young one that I think is only going to get better too. Like he's coming into the peak of his career now. So 
you know what I mean? Uh, it's you could do crazy things, but uh, as I said, for those reasons, I'm, I'm sure you'd agree with me, Barnsley. Uh, I agree with you, and I I think it's also a bit crazy to have him um, as well, though. Like he's in five percent of teams, and I think that's five percent too many. I love Dylan Edwards, if and if he if we had all these other fullbacks injured, you know, he'd be a great one to have. But uh, look, a few red flags just for these five percent because five percent. Put on, put off alarm bells for me because I think that's really quite high for Dylan Edwards. A lot of Panthers fans, maybe. <laughs> a lot of Panthers fans, um, but look, the fact is, we've just talked about the draw. It's not a good draw. Like, it, I think someone would, might make the argument if they had a really soft early draw. You go, well, that first month of games is all against bottom feeders. You know, we're going to go great. Dylan Edwards is going to carve up. It's not. It's a hard draw. Secondly, he's got no ceiling, Edwards. It, last year he had two tons, which is pretty small for a. A glamour fullback in Supercoach has averaged 67 a game. And the tons were only bang on 100 and bang on 105 points. So within five points of that 100 mark and, and not even getting any tons, he doesn't get the big ones. His biggest score ever is 126. And, you know, then it drops to 113. And then he, he doesn't get past just scraping over that 100 mark. So whilst he's good, um, he's not a huge try scorer. And, and he's certainly not a huge guy to get the try assist. For the Penrith Panthers, that is certainly Nathan Cleary's job and some of the other boys. He might add that to his game a little bit more, Mikey, but it's just when you're looking at those other options, I just think that for Classic, you have to go, there's no way that you can have him really. Like, there's too many other good ones. For draft, he, he's always been one of my favourite draft targets because you can get him after all the gun fullbacks go, but he can score pretty close to what they score. So for draft, it makes a huge amount of sense. At 700,000 with the Panthers' draw and all the fullback options for round one, I think that 5% of teams, it doesn't make much sense to me. No, especially when you look at someone like Tom, even though with his injury history, what he's priced at, you want guys like that with that can... Your fullbacks and like like your halfbacks, they're the ones with the huge ceilings. And of my fullback being able to hit 200 on a really good day, where a really good day for Dylan Edwards, as you said, was probably a 126. Uh, No Coruscant gone. So a few of these experienced guys are going to have to step up. And, you know, Edwards might develop a bit of a playmaking style to his game. And um, he's pretty good. He still busts through the line quite a bit, always a bit of a support runner. But... It's not enough to warrant a select from the start. As we get into that origin period and a lot of these other key guys get rested, maybe he could be a sneaky option during the middle, especially with um, the amount of trades that you potentially have. But, you know, he's probably fourth or fifth pick in fullback for me from the start. And 700000 isn't that cheap. And you're getting him after really like, you know, uh, well, so far career year, I'd say from him, not only in super coach, but in, in NRL. Yeah, I- Definitely targeting in draft, everybody. Don't target him in classic. And that 5% of people that own him, I, I'd rethink it. It's it's not even going to work as a pod because he doesn't score big enough. So, yeah, let's move along. Isaiah Yo, geez, I love him as a player. Um, and I think everybody does. He's one of those guys that even though he, he might not play for the, the club that you love, you just you like him. He's a good guy. He's a good leader. Uh, and he's also, you know, a blue-collar worker that you can appreciate. He... Came into my side early last season and it wasn't like, it was sort of around this time that I was looking at him and I took a bit of a chance on him because I went, well, I think looks like he's going to play 80 minutes and that was going to be good because if you look at the 2021 season, he opened up with 70 minutes, 69 minutes, 180 minute game there and then 57 minutes, 61 minutes, 70 minutes, 66 minutes. Certainly, um, and then dropped down after another 80-minute game in round 80, went 51, 62, 62, and 50 minutes, and then he had some time off. So 
he was never really that 80-minute guy, certainly in the first couple of months of the 2021 season. Um, and then you fast forward to 2022, and it looked like he was going to get the minutes. And certainly he did. The first four rounds, he basically played 80 minutes. And he was very solid. It was a lot of base, um, averaged 53 in base that first month. And indeed for the season, ended up averaging 53 in rural base, which is sensational. Certainly had the minutes drop off a bit, but largely was an 80-minute player, uh, averaging 76 minutes a game. Now, because of that, he had his second best year of his career for Supercoach, averaging over 66 points per game for the season. And it does mean that he comes in at a price tag of 693900 If you look at someone like Isaiah Yo, you know, 53 base, uh, 60 base, base attack, which I, I think is a bit unheralded. A lot of people think, oh, he gets no offloads or tackle breaks. Seven points a game in that is okay for someone that's a worker like him and that passes before the line so much. So I think it's quite good. Uh, but the look... I guess it's one of those things, Mikey, where he's one of those players that's a real rock-solid foundation, but he's not going to ever be a guy that rockets you or wins you a head-to-head matchup because he's only scored four tries last year, and that's kind of him. He never went 100-plus. His largest score was actually 90 points, uh, and then he never gives you the low ones. So 65% of the time he went 60-plus, and even when you look at the ones below 50 you know, very, very few of those. He's only got two out of his 20 games. So he's always giving you 50-plus. Most of the time it's 60-plus, a lot of 70s in there. Just doesn't go that 100, just doesn't go those big scores. I was doing the Cowboys podcast yesterday, okay? And someone like Nanai is, you know, within 30, 40K of, of you know, it's such a polar opposite of second row for Supercoach, isn't it? You've got one guy here that's rock solid that's always going to give you a really good score, but isn't going to give you 130. Whereas Nanai, I don't like him because he's giving you 35s, but then he'll give you 130. You know, it's hard to pick which one you prefer for round one. Uh, For me, I really like Yo. I can't quite bring myself to do it. I've actually gone like the Crichton and Fafita route if I'm going to go for those gun second rowers. But Yo is someone who is never selected in hardly any teams. Uh, And 8% of teams at the moment is actually quite high for him. So do you think that there's any place for him, considering that Appy's gone, that he might actually try and take on more and a bigger role for that Penrith pack and in the middle? Well, he's come. He's 28 years old, so he's 29 this year. So he's getting closer to his 30s now. But, you know, he's he's the glue for this Panthers side. And I agree with all those comments that you said there. And he comes in at 693K. You could spend an extra, you know, 40K to get someone like Cam Murray and, Second row, like I always love to stack my second row. I think you need a guy like Yo in your side, but I think I can get one at a cheaper price. And then you want those guys like Fafita and that that can really bust your high score at that around that price point. But um, yeah, Coruscant leaves the club. Um, he loves to get involved in that backline play. Cleary out to him. He likes a second phase play. Kind of really steers the ship, and you know sometimes comes up with you know a, a play that you know that gets us some points. So. Maybe with Coruscant not being there, we see more of this, or maybe because Coruscant isn't there and the play the ball isn't going to be as quick and the quick service, and maybe it actually hinders him. So for the price point, yeah, as you said, he's Mr. Consistent, but just for the price point, oh, I can't do it from round one. He's, he's definitely someone handy at some point, but then once you get closer to the buy round, then, you know, he's 
going to miss a bit of time there. But like you said, uh, I think he'll he could see an uptick in minutes. I know he averaged what he averaged seventy six minutes. Could he play eighty consistently? Um, I think in the closer games, yeah, he will. And if you have a look at their bench makeup, uh, they've lost a bit of punch there. I do think with the way I think they're going to line up that he, he's going to play 80 for the first, you know, good chunk of the season uh, and rest him when they're, they're well ahead. Because uh, I think I think he's definitely proven it before that he can play 80 minutes. And I reckon the coach is going to try and get him to do that from the start to kind of set a platform. Yeah, I agree. I really, really like him in draft. Um, which also means I don't love him for round one in classic. Uh, I do think, look, if he was like 60 or 70K cheaper, uh, then I think that he really comes into his own. And that's kind of the thinking at the start of last year when I had him. He was he was that bit cheaper where you could go for that upside. I, I don't think he's got any upside really, um, but there is, a, there is a realm of possibility that he does take on more work he does do a bit more in the middle of the park with Appy not there and he just takes on more of a ruck leadership role than he already has. And maybe there's an extra three or four points there for him. Um, but is it worth paying for when you know you're not really going to get any hundreds? You know, that's the thing. I think that he probably suffers this year in classic from two things, his price and secondly, all of the other options. Because if you want a worker... Uh, that could have a bit of a, a breakout. It'll be a little, a few points better than they're priced at. Someone like Carrigan is is a fair bit cheaper, and and he's also a pod if that's what you're looking for. If you want the ceiling, someone like Fafida is slightly cheaper. If you want a guy that you know is going to be both and is going to be 100% reliable in one of your best players, Cam Murray, like you said, 30 or 40k more. There's just too many guys, and Angus Crichton is another one that are there as second rowers at that price point or giving you whatever you're looking for with Yo. So, and then all those other guys are going to have more upside. So I have to say um, no Yo. And we're going to move on to Brian Toto. Toto had a huge fall from grace. 2021, 84 points per game, Mikey. And I think everyone kind of dismissed it being, you know, that big scorer's year because Brian Toto just displayed this amazing amount of base. The base that he was doing was off the chain. So in 2021, he had a 42 base. And you know, a lot of people say, oh, 42 base, base attack. No, 42 raw base. His base attack was 28 per game. That is insane. And I believe it is a record. So he was averaging 70 points in base, base attack. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. He was going 60 plus almost 80% of the time. It was just a stunning season. And because he wasn't using attack, I certainly thought, well, he's going to come into 2022 and be largely unaffected by all the six against stuff that created more tries and more scoring because he doesn't really rely on that. And he's come in and he's he's just gone through the floor in his base and his base attack. His base is down to 36 and his base attack to 15 per game, which means you know he's gone from a 70 base base attack down to... Uh, and it sounds funny saying down to because it's still really good, down to a 51. You know, 51 is still elite, elite, very top of the game in Supercoach, but it is a far cry from what he was doing. It means that he only averaged 59 points per game. It does mean that he's coming cheap, Mikey, so we can get Brian Toto in at only 624,000. Now, consider that Valentine Holmes is 100,000 more I've been all over that and been thinking, you know what, you know, if if Holmes is getting too owned, all these other guys uh, are getting high ownership in that price point, or you're spending 550 to to 600k on someone, 
Brian Toto comes right into calculations because that performance last year is meant he's really affordable. He's in 90% of teams, which is a bit of a shame. But do you think that he's going to bounce back in that base and get a bit better than what he was? And also, do you think that he's maybe going to switch sides, end up on May's side, end up with some more tries? So, yeah, the big talking point, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, about Taylor May. Um, yeah, this is going to impact all. Uh, either way, you know, Taylor May, big work rate as well. Without him in the side, to all, I think no matter which side he's on, he's going to have to step up those runs and kind of really do what he did the previous season. Um, do I think he's going to switch to the left? Oh, I, I do. I do think he, he's going to switch to the left. And if that's the case, um, it's only going to get better. You saw in that St. Ellen's game how heavily they targeted that left side and the amount of breaks that, you know, before he got injured, Taylor May made and Tago made. And I think Tago and To'o could be a really match-made combo there. Um, do I think even if he was on the right, is he still an option? Yeah, 100%. I think at some point they're going to have to switch a bit of a plan and they're going to have to use this right side more. Uh, Liam Martin is only getting better as a player. Clearly likes to play both sides. But maybe, you know, we, we see a bit more on the right side. But I guess you'd feel more confident picking Tor if you know he's not next to Crichton all the time. Like, Crichton did start to develop a bit of a pass in the last season. But, uh, you know, you'd probably prefer someone like Tago who loves to just bust that line and throw out a pass. So do I currently have Tor in my side? No, I don't. Um I've currently gone Holmes over him purely for that draw. If Tor had as good as a draw as Valentine Holmes, then I could do it. But for me, he's my number two pick to start the season in center wing, just because such a hard work rate, like you mentioned, Barnsley. Um, I think he can get better than what he did last year. And it's 624K. Let's, let's be honest. Like, you know, you're going to need him at some point. I've had him in my, my team the past three uh, you're going to need him at some point. But just for me, I can only afford my build. I only like to go hard on one centre wing max. And, yeah, at this stage, I'm going to take a goal-kicking, uh, you know, centre wing playing in Queensland most weeks from the start um, in, in that side. So, but it, it does come down to a toss of a coin. Yeah, it is a close one. I, I like him as an option. If someone put him in and was settled on him, um, I wouldn't talk anyone out of it. I, I think he's right up there with the top options. I'm not going to have him. Um, what I would say as an alternative is that I think that, and you know, I, I hate to, I hate talking about guys after they kind of bust out the week before because it's like I was talking about Greg Marzu like six weeks ago, and um, me and Luke Garrity did the Knights podcast, and and we both quite liked Marzu as a real big one percent pod. He's now going up in ownership, but I make the comparison because he is fifty k cheaper. Um, and that's not much when you're comparing someone with the pedigree of Toto, but he's like a mini Toto and he could have a Toto season um, with more tries. So we mentioned that the 51 base base attack is what Brian Toto did last year. Marzi could do that, but with the Knights draw and the fact they don't have an early buy, he could easily also score more tries and he's going to have a bit of average and you're going to pay less for that. And he's still only going to be a few percent owned, even if the groundswell comes up for for Greg Marzu to come into teams. So well, I sort of see him as an alternative because he kind of offers the same, but with a better draw. Having said that, you know, Brian Toto, good, really good option. Um, if you think that the Panthers aren't going to start slow, then certainly I, I think it, it helps Toto. Um, if you do believe that they're going to be a bit clunky at the start or have some grinding wins, like me and Mikey said, I'd probably stick clear of Toto just because it is still expensive, even though it's cheap for him and, as much as we love him and it was his going out party, a breaking out party in 2021, 
His other three seasons have been 57, 59, or 59. So maybe we are getting carried away with how good Brian Tyre can be in Supercoach. I'll wait and see. Up and coming guns. We can't talk about Taylor and May, unfortunately, um, but we can talk about his centre partner, Targo. And now Isaac came in last year and he was a dual second row forward centre wing. And I think that everybody had him. So Targo's come in and gone 60 points on the nose as an average. Uh, and I think he started off with a bang, though, and especially that duel, everybody owned him because he started off at 288,000. And he went 71, 56, 94, and 70 in his first month of playing first grade as a starting centre for the year. That was a hell of a performance from him. Uh, he did it with a really good base and base attack as well. 34 overall base, 14 base attack. Gave him a really solid 48 without any scoring stats. I think one of the things with Targo, I've seen a few people mention, Mikey, that maybe he's a bit of a pot option. He is only priced at 60, so you can definitely argue that he's got some growth. But at that 60 price tag, 2% ownership is certainly going to be a pod. But 627000 uh, I'd certainly rather play for, pay for these other guys. I would actually rather pay for a Brian Toto. But there's certainly some belief with a few big Panthers believers that, that Isaac Targo can, can average 65, 66 points a game, be 10% better. And, you know, or even improve above that because he's only just played his first full year. Where are you putting him at that price tag if you wanted a pod? Might sound crazy, Barnsley, but I think I honestly, if I had to pick between him and Tor with the way I like to kind of play, I'd probably go Tago. I've just got this feeling, like some of these Penrith fans, I've got a feeling that that was just a glimpse. You saw him the previous season in 2021 season. We saw little glimpses of him and I was like, you know, this guy's going to be amazing. Coming last year, you bought him at a cheap price and he turned into a gun. You know, he was a pivotal part of that left attack. And you saw in that trial, I thought he was one of our best players in that St. Helens game. And you just saw, you know what, this guy's going to be on again. He's going to be breaking the line. He's going to be all over the tries. Um, you know, he gets, you know, it, no matter if he's got Toa to River around him, I think they're going to work really well for him. I guess maybe the main thing is he doesn't have kick out there to, you know, be as big of a decoy, but He's just such a crafty player. And I honestly think, uh, you know, now with Taylor May being ruled out, he's probably my hot tip for Panthers leading try scorer if he stays fit for the rest of the season. Look, it is a hefty price to pay when you've got all these options like Marzahue, Holmes. But, and, you know, compared to those guys, he's got a tougher draw, like we've mentioned the whole time. But 2% ownership and, you know, sometimes you've got to take a leap of faith. Maybe, you know, maybe Tago is an option for me. Like... Yeah, I, I couldn't do it maybe to start. Like, I prefer someone like Holmes a bit better, but you know what I mean? If you've got room for another Panther, I, I definitely see myself uh, weighing up him and Toto, and I, I definitely see myself owning Tago at some point. I, I really think uh, the best is yet to come from him. Yeah, he can definitely improve. And, like, I, I think the things that I don't like about him last season – a bit unfair because it is only the only season of data we have. Like he might not be like this and he may very well improve because he's still a young player. But the reasons why I'm going to stay away from him, even if I'm looking at an ultra pod, only one ton last year uh, and it was 105 points with a double, which isn't good. And when you're looking at some of his other try scoring, like he's got a 71 with a try, a 53 with a try, a 50 with a try, 69 with a try, a 65 with a try. He's got these sort of middling okay scores when he's getting a try and he scored 12 tries in 23 games. So I don't think that he can really improve his try scoring that much. 
he's got a nice work rate, but the problem is he always reminds me about one of my favourite players in real life and also in Supercoach in the great man, Daniel Tupo, who, for the Roosters, uh, can get these sort of... He can score real consistent tries, but he never really gets those real big scores. And, you know, Targo's kind of Tupo light to me. He's a bit below him, and certainly on averages he's below him, but he scores tries and he doesn't really go that big. So maybe he will change that this year. Um, and he might, but at the moment, based on last year, I couldn't go near him at that price tag. But another guy I couldn't go near is a fallen gun and someone that I have gone near before when he's gotten cheap enough, and that is Stephen Crichton. So, look, Stephen Crichton is off to the Bulldogs after this season. He had his first gun year averaging bang on 60 points a game, so he's almost exactly the same as Targo. And his base-base attack wasn't quite as good. He averaged 43 combined base-base attack, was solid, uh, I think that the things with Crichton were you think that he's a little bit more dangerous. I got him when he was going to be goal kicking a little bit as well because, you know, he's a backup goal kicker there. But largely, you know, he had two tons, but they were 104 and 100 points. And really, when you look at it, very, very similar to Isaac Tago, you know, it, but he went 50% of the time. He went 60 plus, which was slightly better and more consistent. I am uh Right off him this year, Stephen Crichton, I have to say. I've liked him for runs before, Mikey, where I've grabbed him at $400,000 odd, and that's been pretty good. With the draw, with him leaving, um, and with how he scored in the past, and seeing that we kind of know who Stephen Crichton is right now, I think he's going to remain a fallen gun. I don't think he's going to get back to, I don't think he's going to get to a big leap of 65 plus or anything like that. So I'm really not into it. Uh, he's only a couple of percent owned and he is someone who's going to be pretty expensive at 629,000. He's actually jumped up to 3% owned. How are you feeling about Stephen Crichton's season this year? Yeah, look, he's, I definitely think he's overpriced to start the season. If you're thinking of starting with him, um, maybe he does what Kikau did and, you know, knows he's leaving the club to the Bulldogs and, you know, really wants to, you know, didn't want to leave at first. Maybe he wants to give one last goodbye and go hard this season. Yeah, I could see it. But look, we saw, he's got a lot of errors in his game. We saw it in the St. Helens game. And I definitely think, like, you know, great season. You know, played a bit of fullback here and there. Started the season goal-kicking and in fullback. Um, yeah, yet again this year, if Edwards go down, I think he will be the, the backup fullback again. And as you mentioned, the backup goal-kicker. But, you know, as I said, I was kind of keen on... Tago as an option at some point. Um, I prefer him to Crichton, and yeah, I, I definitely think uh, he's right in that fallen gun category. I, I couldn't go anywhere near him unless, you know, he starts real poor, goes down a 400k, and then Penrith have a bit of a good draw coming up. Then, then maybe I, I could merit a selection later in the season, but yeah, I highly doubt it. <laughs> I'm going to throw up a big balls pod, um, and it's one that the numbers don't suggest should be even anywhere near anyone's side. But, you know, they, that's what these some of these big balls pods are. They are beyond a pod. They are an absolute shot in the dark, a gut feel, a vibe, or some sort of numbers that you saw somewhere that make a nice narrative that you think is going to come true. Liam Martin, he was flavour of the month last preseason for the month leading into kickoff where a lot of people were getting excited for him. I didn't buy it. I just didn't see it with the numbers and I didn't see it with him as a player um, at the time compared to some of the other options. He came out and he averaged 53 points a game. It was only four points better than the 49 points a game he was priced at. I think a lot of it last preseason was based off the fact in 2021, he played 58 minutes a game and everyone, you know, was, you know, rightly so he was going to be starting. So he wasn't going to be coming off any bench games. He was going to get his 80 minutes. He actually didn't get 80 minutes a game on that edge. It's one of the reasons why 
I've got a little bit of a feeling about him. Uh, I think because Kikau's not on the other edge now, what I will say for May is that I would hazard a guess that they may very well rotate the other edge if they're going to rotate one of them and leave Martin for 80 minutes now. Like Martin's kind of one of the leaders in that pack now. He's 25 years old. He's just re-signed with Penrith again. Kikau is gone. And May last year, when you look at it, he played the first two games at 80 minutes. And then all of a sudden he was getting sort of anywhere from 20 minutes to, to 15 minutes below 80. And that happened consistently until like round nine. And then he played a couple of 80-minute games and then went right down. During the origin period, he played you know, 57, 68, 49 minutes right in the middle of the season. His minutes were all over the shop, so he averaged around 70 minutes a game. That 10 minutes is quite big. That's an extra seven-odd points on his PPM. So, you know, all of a sudden you look at someone go from a 53 to a 60 average. It's not fantastic, um, but there is some value there potentially. And then you have a look at just the gut feel stuff, you know, and I sort of feel like this might be a year where he steps up. I was actually disappointed in Liam Martin's season last year. Like I know he played pretty well in the finals games. He had one one better New South Wales origin game, but largely I thought I just expected him more. I expected that next step. Maybe this season's his next step. He's only 558,000. So he's in a really nice price bracket in that mid 500s where if you don't have any money and you're looking at having to take a bit of a shot on somebody, maybe he's somebody that can step up this year and get into the 60s average. I actually think that he will average 60 plus. I think the question, Mikey, is how much more than 60 plus can he average because he's coming in priced at 53. It's it's a great shout. I, I didn't really you know think about him at that kind of price point. He's in a nice price, um, and you're talking about the next step. He went to that next step in you know the the World Cup. He was absolutely amazing for that Australian game, and we really saw the next level for him. Can he bring that form into the game? So he was one of four Panthers players missing, had a little bit of a niggle. Uh, all the reports that we've got so far is all those four players they're only minor and they're all going to return uh, in round one. So expecting him to take the field, uh, five fifty eight as you said, he's. You know, average 71 minutes per year. I agree with you. Kick out's gone. Kick out him, play 80 minutes all the time. But he's a guy that's going to have to step up and play the 80. And they'll rotate Garner's edge or they'll rotate it somewhere else. Um, it's it's quite a good shout. Uh, Cleary loves that short ball scoop to him. He likes to bust a tackle. He's got that, you know, overleaping arm to, to score a try. And, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I owned him for a little snippet last year. And then he got injured or suspended. And... Um, you know, it was it was a fun little ride, but I definitely see potential in him. And when you're looking and picking, you know, players, you're looking for pot- not just potential, but picking them up for the right price and finding a bit of value. And 558 isn't that bad. He's going to get through a bit of work. And, you know, the draw, we've, we've mentioned the draw, it's mixed all the time, but... You know, this this could be a big year for him. He only signed the one-year contract extension with the Penrith, so I think that could also play a big part into it if he really wants to, you know, I'm not sure how many years he was offered by Penrith, but maybe he wants to lock down a three- and four-year Penrith and say, hey, guys, you know, I love this club. I want to stay here. Pay me to stay here. That's a so, great point on the contract. Uh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I forgot yeah. about that. There was only one new deal. That's huge because he's playing for his next contract year. He's hitting his prime years. Yep. He's going to get more minutes probably. And if he does, like you need to be aware that he's, you know, got an 80-minute game last year where he scored 35. He's got another 60-minute game, which was obviously 20 minutes off what he could have played, but he scored a try in that one for 41. He's got these low scores in him, but 
he's also flashed a bit of upside, you know, uh, 91 points, 83 points. Uh, he's got a few of these bigger ones, 93 points, where he scores a try, but that coupled with his work rate means he's going 80s and 90s. So, you know, if you do get a game where he can go over for a double, which might happen, then all of a sudden you look at that sort of 125 type of score in that Angus type of territory of, of being able to go those big ones. I do see him as a player that, um, if he does improve, could be a bit of an Angus Crichton type. And, you know, maybe that happens this year. I don't have big enough balls, Mikey, to go for it. I'll go for other other pods other than Liam Martin. I'll look at him in draft, you know, late rounds of draft. I think Liam Martin could be some value. But let's make let's talk a bit controversy, all right? Because you know I've I've mentioned this guy a couple of times in recent weeks, and I couldn't believe the bite back I got on social media. Some people were absolutely livid at me disrespecting Jerome Luo, and it was like not even disrespecting him. I'm just you know actually he's a good player. I'm just saying, you know, for super coach, not really. But he's coming out and averaged 56 points a game in 2022. This is a downward trajectory for him. I'm going to say that, in my opinion, Jerome Luo is a massive mistake. He's taking up a, a valuable position in your halves. Um, there's all these five eights that are fantastic options this year. Uh, and taking up a spot with Jerome Luo, coming off a 56 average with three years in a row going downhill, 62, 59, and 56. I just think he's madness. Uh, I'm really not into it. And I don't like what I have seen from him. He's almost 600000 so he's not terribly cheap, but I guess at 594000 he's basically the same price as a Matt Burton. Um, I had a Matt Burton versus Luai argument with someone online, and I couldn't believe we were arguing about it, to be perfectly honest. I just, I I don't see Luai uh, as someone that can get heaps better. I think that we've seen Jerome Luai, and the thing with me is that it's Nathan Cleary's team, right? Jerome Luai had 12 tries this last year. He's not an elite, elite playmaker where he's going to be able to go up to like 18, 20 tries this in a year. Nathan Cleary is always going to be the number one option in that in that spine. He doesn't have Kikau there anymore. I had people say to me, you know, he's going to get more points because Kikau was stealing them. I never saw it that way. Kikau ran the ball nine to 10 times a game. And a lot of the time he was a decoy that actually helped Luai, in my opinion. And Luai runs quite a bit. Well, he fed him the ball. Yeah, it, yeah. It just I don't see any way. 20 base, 34 base, base attack. And, he, you know, like I said, his, his clutch attack is really capped. So almost 600,000. There's a couple of percent of people, Mikey, that are on Luai. I actually think it's a big mistake. And I don't say that often not to get someone. But for the start of the season with the Panthers draw and with what Luai has shown us and without Kikau on that side at the moment and with Taylor May gone too, I, I think it's absolute suicide putting Luai in there in your 5-8 spot. Yeah, 1.7% 1, 1. too many in my eyes. Um, there's so much value, especially at that price point. You've got Adam Dewey, Matt Byrne, and Caelan Ponga, just to name a few, and then you've got a gun in Cameron Munster. Um, there's no way that I'd be looking outside of those four as guns. Uh, or potential guns, you know, in, there's no way I could put a spot in for Luai. Um, maybe in draft, I don't hate it in draft. Uh, I think Penrith have a lot of friendly guys for draft, um, but you can't have all these guys in classic. That We kept mentioning it, but that round three buy is scary. And, you know, there are games where Luai just goes completely missing and you could end up with a very low score. Um, he's lost the ace in his sleeve in kickout, like you mentioned, and, there's a question mark of who's going to lock down that left edge spot. We think it's going to be Garner. As I said, it could be Sorensen. It could be Hosking. Um, we don't know if Toa is going to be on the link. Is it going to be Taruva? There's too many question marks of this left-hand side. Basically, you could only put a, a stamp on Tago's going to be on his left side with him. So 
until we kind of see how that maneuvers and how that gels, I guess you get a bit more of an understanding. But uh, as you said, it's kind of clear his team, and I, I don't like having a team with both halves in my super coach side. And you know, he has shown glimpses of him being really good, but he's just always struggled with that high consistency. And he's someone in your team that you're just you know watching him, and you, you're waiting sometimes up to eighty minutes for him to you know get some points and. Uh, those guys are too nerve-wracking to own, and uh, there's there's no way I'd even be considered, you know, owning him. And I I really can't see myself owning him throughout the year unless some major circumstances occur. Yeah, he got to like three hundred forty k odd last year, um, which which I actually yeah. looked at buying him for. And I think the or might have been the year before that I bought him at that because he fluctuates so much. You know, he's just don't get near him. Let's talk about mids and cheapies. Mids and cheapies that one of the most popular mid guys in the second row forward spot is Luke Garner, who's come over and taken kick out spot. It's an interesting one with Garner because I've been really up and down on him. Um, I've, I've liked him as a player like forever and certainly for spot starts and stuff. I've even looked at getting him in, in classic when he's been super cheap and stuff. Luke Garner's 19% owned. Uh, he's coming off an average of 41 points a game last year. And I think, you know, at 435,000, it does make some sense uh, that he's quite highly owned. I don't know what to make of it though, because there's that many different ways that this could go, and I do ha- I do think there's more red flags than what people are realising with Luke Garner. So, fifty one and a half points is what he scored at seven of his starting edge games last year, where he played eighty minutes. So, when you consider that and consider he's coming in at forty one point four points pricing, it's still going to be ten points unders. So, at ten points unders, you know that's good value, right? The problem is, I think, that people are missing is that in the second row forward spot, there's all these really cheap guys and then there's all these really good guns. And I just think there's probably enough cheap guys that you don't even need to go with Luke Garner. You can go with some guys that have some bigger upside. The other problem is, if you go back a year, in 2021, he had 10 games where he started on an edge and played 80 minutes and he scored 62.9 points a game, significantly better than 51.5 points a game last year. So all of a sudden you go, well, you know, I'd be a little bit disappointed if I got last year's Garner, but if I got the 2021 version, I'd be elated. That be that would be a gun at 435,000. So I see both arguments and I'm not too sure what to make of it, to be honest. I think it'll probably be somewhere in, in between. Um, that could be value, but I'm going to be controversial here and say, Mikey, I think his value might come later. So I think that he might start off struggling a little bit. And that might mean that you need to hold him longer than what you you really want to. And you've got him in the middle of the season still on your side, waiting for that money, and he's going to get some consistency then. The elephant in the room, though, if he gets rotated, which we spoke about, if he only plays like 60 minutes, he's dead in the water. And at 435000 he's not you know insanely cheap or anything. So it might take him a little while to get his 100 k Where are you on, on Luke Garner? Because I'm right in the middle on it, and I can see both sides, I reckon. Uh, he's been in and out of my side like a yo-yo, and I have a soft spot for Garner. Anyone that followed my, like you know the, the the podcast last year and the experience, I brought him in at one percent. When everyone's like, "No, Mikey, you're crazy. Don't do it." He does it, and I got him on the game where he come out, scored a double in the first twenty minutes, and got like ninety five points at one percent ownership, about three hundred and forty k. And I was just like, "You beauty! How can you not start to like a guy when you know something like that pulls off?" It's, they're the things in Supercoach that you dream about, and Really, that's that's kind of how you claw your way back because I started a stinker last season. But, you know, I thought very good signing for Kikau. He would have cost us half, not even half the amount of money we got Kikau for. I think he's a real good value purchase. And 
I was real hot on him until I went and watched St. Ellen's game. I know you shouldn't buy too much into trials, but I didn't like what I saw from him in that small glimpse. Yes, it was pissing down with rain. He was used as a decoy a bit much. He looked a bit a bit slowish. I don't know how high his work rate's going to be in this Penrith lineup. How are they going to use him? How's that side going to look? Um, there's, there's so much value in the second row position this year where I'm like, you know what? I prefer to go 410, like a bit cheaper. And now we're starting to understand a bit more about this Storm Pack. Take Elise Katoa for an extra 25k cheaper. I prefer to kind of go that way after the first round. But I take both back rowers from the Storm, to be honest, over Garner. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Leorio, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because I think, you know, the minutes are going to get robbed of him. And the, the fact is that that second row spot is not Garner's 100%. Like, he's got so much competition. And I think Sorensen's been such an unheralded buy for us. He's been awesome. Mm. And I think Hosking could really be that, what we've bought as well. And then on top of that, I'm really surprised that, you know, they didn't go, all right, Sorensen, this is your spot. You can lock down the spot. Realistically, if either one of those options don't work, they're going to flip to the other option until they get a working combo. If Penrith come out and lose two of their, you know, first four or five games, which is quite un-Penrith-like uh, of what we've seen of late, they, they might make a few changes. So that's enough to kind of, you know, after seeing them say, oh, let's slam back to reality. Maybe let's just wait and see and... Yeah, as you said, Barnsley, I definitely could see him as an option later. And with all these guys that, you know, you'd be taking, like there's a few you're going to be taking a risk for in the second row. If I get it wrong and he comes out on fire, uh, he doesn't have a price rise to till, till, uh, round five. So, sorry, round four. So I can look to jump on then if he goes really well against the Broncos and Souths. And yeah, I might change my mind on him. But 435K is, is pretty cheap. But yeah, it's, yeah, I'm just a little worried. Kind of like you. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence, but I definitely don't see myself starting with him now where all the way up until that St. Helens game, I, I was lock and loaded with him. But after that, for, uh, last week of trials, a lot of other second rowers put their hand up around the same price. So I'm going elsewhere. Yeah, I will say with the risks with him on you mentioning like not won the job completely. It's it's not completely because I was reading up on it. Uh, I, was, I was speaking to one of the, the journos for, I'm going to say the Telegraph, but it might have been the Herald. I don't want to get the, don't want to get them confused. They'll get upset. One of the journos anyway. And he said, you know, Luke Garner's won the spot on the left edge. Hoskins will be on the bench. And I said, really? He's going to be on the bench. So is he going to be used as a middle or is he going to actually go on and spell one of the edges? And he said he will go on and spell one of the edges if he's on the bench. Definitely. And uh, that's that's a warning sign because it was looking like it was going to be spelling Garner. And if that becomes somewhat of a job share, Garner might only get 55 minutes. You know, might even not even get the 60. And then that's that's a big concern. So if if they've got Hosking on that edge, then that's uh, that's a bit of a worry if Hosking is there. Uh, so I I'm sort of torn on that too because I'm expecting Hosking to be named on the bench, and if he is, I think that kills Luke Garner. So I just think that puts it to bed straight away. And the other thing too is that Luke Gunn is a guy that was getting dropped at the West Tigers because they were worried about his defensive issues. So there's that. And the other red flag is that his biggest strength was he's a good hole runner and running certain lines. And one of the arguments I had with a few certain people online, Jerome Luai isn't fantastic at hitting hole runners. You know, people look at Kikau and say, look at what Kikau did. Kikau largely creates for himself. He gets the ball and he's got his own kick-out stuff that he does. Garner doesn't do that. Garner needs a half to put the ball on his chest when he runs the right line into a hole. 
and I just don't think Luai is going to do that too often for him. So big concerns for Ghana. Um, I don't have him currently. I can't see myself changing my mind. It could work out. Uh, I just think there's probably a few more flags than what people are seeing with him. Kenny versus Luke. Uh, this is really interesting. So this hooker battle, now that Appy's gone, Mitch Kenny's owned in 8% of teams, Sonny Luke in 7%. Mitch Kenny comes in at 310000 Sonny Luke comes in at 234800 So I'm going to look at some, uh, some Penrith wisdom for you here, Mikey. These guys, largely we haven't seen much of them, although Mitch Kenny has been a perennial bench player. Even when Mitch Kenny started games last year, it was for Appy for 20 minutes and stuff. And the great man of Supercoach, Sankster himself, has come out and said not long ago on a podcast, I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have been the Supercoach Playbook podcast. He actually said uh, the plan is for Sonny Luke to come on and play the bulk of the, the hooker minutes. And if that happens, Mitch Kenny's an absolute trap at 310,000 playing 29, 30 minutes a game because he's basically got the same role as what he's had. And Sonny Luke actually becomes a really good option because at 50 minutes a game, because of his price point at 234,800, he becomes quite good value. And he could even bust out a, a 40-plus scoreline as an average, even with just 50 minutes. So how are you seeing this hooker battle at the base of the mountains, mate? Uh, it's yeah, it's going to be a, quite a fierce battle. Um, it's going to be the pivotal point for Penrith to work out to unlock or to work out how they go. Um, as, you know, a Penrith fan, I'm hoping they do exactly what Sangster said and we see you know, Luke play a similar role to what Appy was playing towards the end of the year. It worked really well to him. I said it earlier in the podcast, I think Luke can play that role. He's been constantly in and out of my side, um, you know, going like a Harry Grant and Luke mold or a Brendan Smith and Luke mold. Currently, actually today, when I change stuff around, I've not gone him as I really want to see what they're going to do with their minutes. How how do they go in the first three weeks? Um, if it is exactly that, and he's going to play 50 minutes at 234K. I think he could be a really big moneymaker because he's going to come on against those tired forwards. He likes a bit of a run out of a dummy half. We saw a little bit of those darts. Remember in his debut, he come out, broke the line almost immediately. And he's played, you know, he's not uh, uh, like super young. Like he's not 19 to 20. I'm pretty sure he's mid-20s. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, he's he's been playing for quite a while. He's taken a bit of time to get into first grade. So, I think that's only going to benefit him. He's played with a lot of these guys in New South Wales Cup. Um, so I'm going to have to agree with you with Mitch Kenny, and I think Mitch Kenny's quite a trap. Um, I don't hate it if you're going guns. I don't hate putting someone like Luke there. He hasn't had a priest. Well, he didn't play in any of those previous games. Um, they, they rested him, so he comes in without a lot of match fitness at all. So... Um, but 235k, it's just, I guess the, the devil's advocate there is what if he comes out and only plays, um, you know, 20, 30 minutes for 234k, he's not going to really make much money, but I, I, I do think he'll go the other way, but at 234k, it's not going to be hard if someone like Tanner Boy flunks to go down to Sunny Luke at round four mm. or five. So, um, He's very, yeah, very high on my watch list. There's probably only one other risk that I'm considering aside from the Nathan Cleary risk that everyone will shoot me about after this podcast. But the other one is uh, Sunny Luke's my second hooker at the moment. And I'll, I'll, I'll give everyone a warning about this because it is a big risk and it's a warning for myself as well. Brandon Smith is my first hooker at the moment and he's got, a, he's got an early buy. So after a few weeks, Brandon Smith sits on the pine and then I have to start Sunny Luke or make a trade. That's what everyone really needs to be aware of. If you've got a cheapie 
in a two-spot position in Supercoach, it's going to be really hard this year because you have to play that guy. And if it's someone that doesn't work out or gets dropped, you're not going to have anyone in that position. I don't think it will happen with Sonny Luke. I'm going to take the risk that he's going to get minutes. But if he doesn't, uh, it's a big concern. And it's pretty hard to find money to go from a 235K guy to someone who's going to be relevant for you. So just be aware of those risks. Mitch Kenny, uh, we've seen what he can do with extended minutes. In 2021, he played 61 minutes a game and averaged 36 points. Uh, in 2019, he played 56 minutes a game. His second highest minutes per game, averaged 37 points. We've seen what he can do with minutes, and it's not very much. So I definitely think that helps Luke because I think that the Panthers know exactly what Mitch Kenny is, and they've used him in the same way for uh, like a, a number of years now, uh, whereas Sonny Luke's coming in, and he's already probably got more upside. So I just think they'll keep Mitch Kenny's role the same, and Sonny Luke will end up you know, getting groomed to be um, that hooker with more minutes. I'm going to take a chance. It is a bit risky. If it's a complete job share, it probably kills both of them. The last one to talk about on the Panthers, Taruva, just got dual status a few days ago. He is coming in as a hot commodity because it looks like that he has a really good shot at taking that wing spot that May is now vacating. I thought that he was actually bottom price. He's not, um, but he's still only 275000 as a centre wing fullback dual. Uh, that's pretty good. And look, I think that anyone that's watched Taruva uh, thinks that he could be a pretty good player and pretty handy, and he might slot into that system for, for the Penrith Panthers really well, taking a, a lot of work workload. Um, he's a kid that's um, played in the centres before as well, uh, played at fullback, even played at 5'8". He's fairly versatile, um, and he's got some decent size for a winger. He's not like a Staines. How are you seeing Taruva if he comes into this side? Oh, very excited. I've been watching Taruva. Like, I watch a lot of my juniors and my reggies, and I know, you know, oh, I religiously watch a lot of their stuff. And uh, he was a guy, kind of like how I mentioned Tago in the couple of seasons before he went to first grade. Um, When there were some of these injuries, like, come on, it's Taruva's chance. He was just absolutely shredding in New South Wales Cup. And we saw little glimpses of him last year, and I thought he was pretty, you know, we the, the best is yet to come. And I think that's kind of exactly what Tago did. So 275K in a Panther side like that. I know we had Charlie Staines. That was a bit of, you know, like a seesaw at that price. But in a team like this, you know, he's just going to make some money and he could be end up being someone that you could hold for quite a while and play here and there. And personally, I'm not going to – I've got him. I'm not going to play him first up. And that's kind of nice knowing that I'm choosing to play other guys before him and he'll come in handy to play on certain weeks, I reckon. Um, you know, he played awesome for Fiji at fullback. I know he's going to be on the wing there, but um, – I really do think once he unlocks his potential, he's got a super coach-friendly game. So, realistically, it's it's a no-brainer there. He, he might have a little bit of competition by McLean that they have now um, if he doesn't perform, but I think it's his spot to lose. Yeah, I, I like his game for super coach. I think we're going to get some good tackle breaks and some good runs, and he's going to score some tries. So, it, it's going to be super coach-friendly. And I'll also say, you know, there's... There's a fair amount of people that are on like a, a Remus Smith, a Talau at the Tigers, these guys that are sort of 300 to 320,000. Even though we haven't seen Taruva, oh, I still think that he's a better option because he's got 100%. upside that these guys don't have. Um, and he, you know, has been a bit of a gun coming through. And we have seen him play for Fiji and stuff, and he's looked fantastic. We, we know what these other guys can do. Now, sometimes you want to go for the known quantity. I think with these outside backs, if they're middling and they're not very good anyway, like a Remus Smith, for example, or a Talau, 
then you're better off just going for the upside because normally the worst case scenario with the Taruva is that they probably produce the same poor score that these other guys are going to give you on an average anyway. So you may as well go for the upside in a side that scores the most points in the, in the comp. Uh, look, that is the Penrith Panthers done and dusted. So you can continue on with part two of this episode where me and Mikey discuss the Manly Seagulls in detail. So make sure that you tune into that one. It'd be available right after this episode. So for everyone listening, if you want to download, if you want to stream, if you want to subscribe, make sure you jump on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Amazon, on Spotify. We are everywhere. Share us around. It's fantastic to get all the new listeners we've been getting this year. And also make sure you follow us on the socials. Twitter is a big one. NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. That's us on Twitter. Follow us there. You'll get all the up-to-date news. And when the episodes drop, you'll see it straight away. But thanks very much for listening. Make sure that you jump on a part two of this episode to continue the conversation. Until then, can't wait to chat some more footy with you real soon. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on.